Can you dream of a world immune to cancer? Hello, everyone. My name is Nick, and I'm the host of the annual live stream for The Cure, where content creators and podcasters from around the world join me to raise money for the Cancer Research Institute and Immunotherapy Research, which is training the body's immune system to fight against all forms of cancer. Over the past seven years, thanks to the power of indie podcasters and the indie podcasting community and listeners just like you listening to this right now, we have raised over $90,000. And as I record this now, the eighth annual live stream for The Cure is barreling down upon us really, really quickly in just about two weeks. So join us, please, from May 29th through June 1st for 48 hours of amazing content from people all over the world and help us fight for a world immune to cancer. And I'll return you to your regularly scheduled programming. Thank you so, so much. And together... We can make a difference. Do I prefer Fashion Victim or Ensemble Challenged? Eh, bit of both, really. In a world overflowing with movies, we need a hero. Someone to separate the bad from the good. Hi everyone, I'm Em and welcome to Verbal Diorama episode 37 on Clueless. I've been away for a little while. This is the first episode post my little hiatus to move house. Um, I'm in my new house. I've just got the new study set up. Um, it's probably why it sounds a little bit different because it's obviously a different room um, with different acoustics and stuff like that. I've got the study set up because it was really hard to concentrate and sort of focus on podcasting without it. Um, and in addition, there's obviously a lot of scary, crazy stuff going on in the world right now. And um, I think it's important to kind of carry on and to continue spreading as much joy as possible. And that kind of starts with Clueless, really. Um, and it's going to continue with a bit of a backlog of episodes um, from March. They're going to be going into April. Like most people, I'm working from home right now, um, as well as staying home and socially distancing from everyone as per government advice. Um, I'm hoping to continue with a weekly schedule moving forward. Um, and there's some really great movies that are on the schedule coming up. Um, also, obviously, I wanted to say that if you're a key worker, um, someone who's going out, who's working in the NHS, the care sector, pharmacies, food retailers, refuse collection, um, deliveries, basically anyone keeping the country going right now. Um, thank you from the bottom of my heart. Um, you are just the most brilliant people. Um, and um, yeah, this is, it's, it's a really, really crazy time for everyone at the moment. So I think we've just got to try our best in this situation to, um, I think to just, you know, respect and, and be kind to each other. Um, but um, but anyway, if you're new to Verbal Diorama, uh, welcome. As one person said on Twitter, and I really like this particular quote and I use it quite a lot, um, they said that I was honest and full of unabashed glee. Um, and pretty much that's what you can expect from Verbal Diorama. Um, I try to be as honest as possible. Um, I try to give you all the facts. 
but ultimately I always try to be kind um, because the way I look at it is this is a team of people's work oftentimes uh, years of work um, and I don't want to be nasty about that hard work um, and so really uh, the ultimate aim is to try and see these movies as positively as possible um, but I mean when it comes to a movie like Clueless Clueless just brings so much joy generally um, Clueless has been seminal to my life and the lives of so many people I know um, and the reason I'm featuring it isn't because it was ever on my big list um, because it was it was one of those movies that I loved so much that I was actually a little hesitant to do it. And that sounds a bit weird. Um, I guess I am a bit weird. Um, it was actually a request. Um, and it was actually requested by good friend and patron of the show, Sade from Offscreen Babble. Um, I don't really do requests as a rule. Um, but at the time, Sade was uh, the patron producer of the show. And as part of being a Patreon producer, she could request any movie that she wanted. And because Sade is literally one of the kindest, sweetest people in the whole world, uh, she chose something that I loved uh, rather than something that I wouldn't love. Um, so Sade actually has some things to say about Clueless 2, um, and I'll include her thoughts later. Um, but let's avoid the tardies um, and let's talk about Clueless. So, okay. Like right now, for example, the Hadians need to come to America. But some people are all, what about the strain on our resources? And it's like, when I had this garden party for my father's birthday, right? People came that, like, did not RSVP. So I was, like, totally bugging. I had to haul ass to the kitchen, squish in extra place settings, and, like, people were on mismatched chairs and all. But by the end of the day, it was like, the more, the merrier. And so, if the government could just get to the kitchen, rearrange some things, we could certainly party with the Hadians. Wow. You guys talk like grown-ups. Oh, well, this is a really good school. Mr. Hall was way harsh. He gave me a C minus. <laughs> well, he gave me a C, which drags down my entire average. Hello? There was a stop sign. I totally paused. You tried driving in platforms. Oh, should I write them a note? <gasps> Ew! Get off of me! Ah, as if! Cher's got attitude about high school boys. It's a personal choice everyone has got to make for themselves. Cher's saving herself for Luke Perry. Cher, you're a virgin? I mean, I'm not prude. I'm just highly selective. I mean, you see how picky I am about my shoes, and they only go on my feet. Nice stems. Thanks. What the hell is that? A dress. Says who? Calvin Klein. I'm gonna be a supermodel. What are you doing? Yo, you're getting on the freeway! Get on the freeway! You go, girl. Are you okay? Uh, I'm fine. doesn't want me doing any activity where balls fly at my nose. Well, there goes your social life. I'm gonna be a supermodel. Shallow, rich, and socially successful Cher Horowitz is at the top of her Beverly Hills High School's pecking order, along with her similarly beautiful rich friend Dion. 
Seeing herself as a matchmaker and aiming to improve her grades, Cher first coaxes two teachers into dating each other. Emboldened by her success, she decides to give hopelessly klutzy new student Ty a makeover. When Ty becomes more popular than she is, Cher realises that her disapproving ex-stepbrother was right about how misguided she was and suddenly feels very lost in her world. So, the cast. I mean, this is, this is just probably one of the greatest casting decisions of any movie ever. Um, so, obviously, we have Alicia Silverstone as Cher Horowitz, Stacey Dash as Dion Davenport, Brittany Murphy as Ty Frazier, Paul Rudd as Josh Lucas, Dan Hedaya as Mel Horowitz. Um, interestingly, originally Mel Hamilton, you can see it on a close-up of um, a letter that he gets. The change of surname was due to an ad-lib by Wallace Shawn in the Tardy scene, uh, where he refers to Cher as Cher Horowitz, Elisa Donovan as Amber Marians, Justin Walker as Christian Stovitz, Donald Faison as Marie Duvall, Brecken Meyer as Travis Birkenstock, Jeremy Sisto as Elton Tisha. Wallace Shawn as Mr. Hall and Twink Kaplan as Miss Geist. And Twink Kaplan was also an associate producer on the movie. Um, alternate names, and um, we'll go into the history of how Clueless became Clueless, but alternate names include No Worries and I Was a Teenage Teenager, which are both pretty terrible names. So it was written and directed by Amy Heckerling. Uh, she also directed Fast Times at Ridgemont High, National Lampoon's European Vacation, and wrote and directed Look Who's Talking and Look Who's Talking 2, um, and is one of few female directors to have directed multiple box office hits. Um, it's kind of sad that Amy Heckerling isn't a bigger name. Um, it was based on Emma by Jane Austen, uh, which has had multiple film, TV, and stage adaptations including a movie that came out this year starring Anya Taylor-Joy. Um, and just on the comparisons with Clueless, so um, character-wise, we can probably, well, it's pretty obvious, Cher is Emma Woodhouse, uh, Josh is Mr Knightley, Miss Geist is probably an amalgamation of Miss Taylor and Mrs Weston, Ty is Harriet Smith, Mel is obviously Henry Woodhouse, Travis is Robert Martin, Elton is Mr. Elton and Christian is Frank Churchill. Um, and Clueless on paper seems like any 90s high school comedy starring a group of beautiful upcoming actors. Um, but it was originally developed as a TV show, um, which is ironic considering it spawned one. And it was 1993 when Amy Heckling, who was fresh off Look Who's Talking and Look Who's Talking Too, um, as well as the seminal high school classic Fast Times at Ridgemont High, was devising a Fox TV show based around popular kids at California High School, rather than the nerds. Um, and it, it was at this point that the project was called No Worries. But the show itself wasn't full of No Worries, um, and it was surprisingly difficult to get it off the ground. Um, and this was despite other teen-based shows like Saved by the Bell being massive at the time. Um, so it ended up going from a TV show to a prospective movie after Heckling's agent Ken Stovitz saw the pilot and exclaimed, this is a movie. Um, and Fox Movies brought the project from Fox TV uh, and the film was to be released by Fox. But they wanted changes. Um, they wanted it to be less female focused. They wanted Josh's part to be bigger. And they also wanted the pseudo incestuous relationship between Cher and Josh removed despite them no longer being related by marriage. Needless to say, Amy Heckling was totally against these changes, but felt shackled by the studio system. 
And so casting went underway regardless, and Heckling and Carrie Fraser, who was the casting director at Fox, knew of a young starlet who was perfect for the part of Cher. And while many other actresses were considered for Cher, including Alicia Witt, Tiffany Thiessen, Kerry Russell, Gwyneth Paltrow, Reese Witherspoon and Angelina Jolie, who was considered too knowing, um, Carrie Fraser had seen a movie called The Crush, which starred a strikingly gorgeous young blonde. Amy Heckerling wanted the girl from the Aerosmith video for crying. And it turned out they were both talking about Alicia Silverstone who was only 17 at the time, um, and they met with her, and they just fell for her sweetness and innocence. Um, And Alicia herself, um, initially turned off by Cher's materialistic nature, realised that she was actually judging the character harshly. Um, And she kind of took a bit of time and really got to know the character and started to be completely delighted by Cher's spirit. Um, And so Alicia did the screen test, it went to Fox, and Fox were basically nonplussed. They didn't hate it, but they didn't love it. They wanted them to choose someone else. Um, but Heckling and Frasier were convinced that Silverstone was Cher. And so the movie started going into turnaround. Um, despite Amy Heckling's track record, it had a small budget of $13 million and it had the beautiful young girl from the Aerosmith videos. It just constantly got rejected every single time. Um, and movies by John Hughes in the 80s were a staple of the teen coming-of-age comedy drama. Um, But in the 90s, teen movies just weren't really wanted by anyone. Um, And it wasn't until Hollywood producer Scott Rudin, who was ex-president of production at Fox, he had a first-look deal with Paramount. Um, He took over the production, he saw the script, he liked it, and he gave it his approval. Um, And having his name as a producer saw it rise in the ranks of importance. Um, And most importantly, uh, his notes restored Heckling's vision of what she originally wanted. So essentially removing all of Fox's changes. Um, With the removal of Fox, so too was Carrie Frazier removed from the project. And Marsha Ross then came on board as a new casting director. Um, So while Alicia Silverstone was definitely going to be Cher at this point, they didn't really have anyone else cast. Um, I think Carrie Frazier had uh, recommended Brittany Murphy. But otherwise, with Marcia Ross came the castings of these other characters, uh, characters like Dion, Stacey Dash, nailed her audition. Um, But she was actually 10 years older than Alicia Silverstone and Brittany Murphy. And she was even older than Paul Rudd. And Paul Rudd is obviously supposed to be playing college-age Josh. Um, And some other famous faces who auditioned for parts include uh, Ben Affleck and Zach Braff, uh, who read for the part of Josh. Terence Howard um, auditioned for Murray. And Dave Chappelle was also considered. Uh, Seth Green auditioned for Travis. Um, His then-girlfriend Alana Ubach read for Ty. Kerry Washington auditioned for Dion. Paul Rudd, before he was actually offered the part of Josh, he read for Murray, um, he didn't actually realise that Murray was supposed to be African-American. Uh, he also read for Elton and Christian. Um, and Sarah Michelle Gellar uh, was offered the part of Amber, but couldn't take it because of contractual obligations to the TV show All My Children. The movie is technically loosely based on Emma, um, but this loose adaptation has the wit and wisdom of Jane Austen literally coursing through its veins. Um, And that's not to take anything away from Amy Heckling, um, because she definitely deserved more of a career than she got after this. Um, But the idea of adapting Austen's work became somewhat of a trend 
after this. Um, Bridget Jones's Diary is probably the other most well-known modern adaptation of Jane Austen. Uh, Jane Austen is obviously a writer who just continues to impress and delight readers with her narrative structures, her themes and characters, even now, um, over 200 years after her death, um, which is astonishing, really, um, that not only is a writer still so relevant, but gasp, she was a woman. It's crazy. (laughs) She's probably one of my favourite classic authors. Um, And for obvious reasons, this book was always a favourite of mine growing up. Um, And so we've talked about a little bit about the history of the movie and, and, and how the movie actually came about. But I guess you've got to kind of ask the question, well, why is this movie so brilliant? Because it genuinely is brilliant. Um, And I mentioned Lightning in a Bottle loads on this podcast, that the perfect mix of direction, casting, writing, costume, music, time period, etc., 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 that just makes you sit up and recognise something truly exceptional. Um, And Clueless came out when I was a teenager. and, And while I didn't see it at the cinema, it was a video shop staple for me. I've seen it more times than I can remember. And what struck me immediately was that usually characters like Cher and Dion as the most popular girls in school are usually pretty mean and nasty. Um, While there is a kind of on and off again feud with Amber in the movie, generally Cher and Dion go against that mean girl trope. Um, It instantly endears you to Cher specifically um, and she's actually more receptive to Ty than Dion. Um, The our stock would plummet line always gets me. Um, Cher might not be academically smart Um, instead of studying for good grades she chooses to argue her way to better grades Um, but she shows emotional intelligence in understanding what it is that other people need she has no idea of her own emotional requirements which is why she's oblivious for example to Elton's rather obvious feelings towards her I mean seriously if you watch the movie again watch Elton he touches and hugs her a lot throughout the movie up to the famous suck and blow scene she also has no idea that christian is gay despite that also being obvious on a second viewing she is obviously completely clueless uh, as she realizes towards the end of the movie i couldn't without good conscience do a podcast on clueless without dedicating a little bit of time to talk about Cher horowitz Cher is forward thinking she values education She guides Ty on drug culture and high school societal norms, which might seem elitist um, and actually kind of is. But she does it because she cares about Ty fitting in at a new school. It's somewhat selfish in the sense that Cher wouldn't want her new protege to become a loadie, so to speak, because that would affect her popularity and her, her credibility at school. But Cher also has Ty's best interests at heart. She nails, nails the immigration debate with a simple, iconic line. The more the merrier. Um, Alicia Silverstone really didn't know how to pronounce Haitians. Um, In fact, I actually thought that Haitians was the pronunciation for a long time after this. So that's just, that's how integral this movie is to my life. I've taken so many words, sporadic, (laughs) and learned actually about these words from this movie um which you know and I do use I do try and use sporadic in sentences as often as I can it's what 
makes Cher such a compelling and interesting character. She has facets of materialism and selfishness and laziness, but she's also caring, compassionate and understanding. She grows to care for the rights and well-being of others. She knows Dion can do better than Murray, but appreciates her friend loves her boyfriend. She doesn't have prejudice against learning. She's also fiercely protective of her virginity, which goes against so many teen movies' insistence that it's something we need to get rid of as soon as possible. She's, and I quote, saving herself for Luke Perry, as were we all, rest in peace, Luke Perry. She values relationships rather than just losing her virginity because she can. She never lets anyone belittle or embarrass her for her choices. When a boy casually drapes his arm over her shoulder on the way to school, she utters the immortal line, as if, and also while shoving him away. Um, And it's really, really important that we see her do this. But it's also important to note that she does do this more than once. Because Elton um, uses a drive home from the Val party uh, where he purposefully insists on her coming with him to pull over and grope her uh, when she expressly tells him no. The movie also doesn't shame her for his insistence that she was the one who'd been flirting with him because, let's be honest, it's pretty clear to the audience that she wasn't. Um, And even if she was, it doesn't give him the right to do it. While Elton never seems to get any form of comeuppance for his actions, which is disappointing, the fact that Cher isn't afraid to call Josh and admit that she was attacked shows that she has complete control over her body and her emotions and every right to defend herself from the unwanted affections of men who think that just because she's gorgeous and from a wealthy family, that gives them the right to control her or or own her. It doesn't matter where you come from or what your social status is. No means no. And that's a really important message that this movie really successfully puts across. Where Cher's concerned, she's also not afraid to change. She starts the movie fully believing in her way of life, um, but doesn't understand that her words or actions can negatively affect others um, as well as positively. Um, She doesn't understand, for example, that by saying her maid is Mexican, that that might be offensive because Lucy isn't Mexican. She's from El Salvador and it's a completely different country. But Cher, at the start doesn't realise that that's a problem. Um, When she does finally realise the effect of her actions, she is genuinely upset and tries her best to make it right, Um, including realising she's in love with Josh. Um, And Josh is a character, a a guy who's obviously her Um, ex-stepbrother. Their parents are no longer married. They haven't been married for years. Um, But Josh obviously still spends a lot of time at the house and Josh works for her father. Um, And he's a guy who she berated for being uncool, um, for being nerdy and literally nothing like the sort of guy that she would ever go out with. Um, And the fact that she realises that she loves him makes her question everything in her life and realise that she has to grow and be a better version of herself, but not that she has to change because Josh loves her for who she is as well. Um, And there's a big difference between character change and character growth and it's something that's not often seen in these teen movies because often the female character is expected to completely change like for example um she's expected to go from really nerdy looking to completely stunning and that's what the guy falls in love with but Cher doesn't actually change in any kind of visual way she 
just betters herself as a person and she realizes that her life is not the be all and end all of life um there's more to life than just being wealthy and popular um and that she could actually do some real good in the world Cher inspired many kind of the popular girl with a heart of gold characters in modern cinema um such as the likes of Karen in Mean Girls, Shelley in The House Bunny, Romeo and Michelle from Romeo and Michelle's High School Reunion, and going back to previous episodes of Verbal Diorama, Elle from Legally Blonde, episode 21, um, and Natalie from Charlie's Angels, episode 12. One person who I know absolutely adores this movie is my sister, and I know my sister is very keen for me to cover Romeo and Michelle's High School Reunion, so although my sister couldn't come on for this episode, maybe in the near future we can get my sister on for Romeo and Michelle, because I know that my sister also loves that movie as well. Basically, what I'm saying is, Cher is actually a really wonderful role model for all of us. Um, We might not have her wealth, her lifestyle or her automated walking wardrobe, but we can all learn a lot from Cher's outlook on life. Um, And the character could have been so easily just been one-dimensional. But it's really thanks to Alicia Silverstone's iconic performance and Amy Heckling's script and direction, but ultimately Jane Austen for her timeless characters. And it makes Cher really stand out in a field of those kind of similar female characters. While Stacey Dash is great as Dion, um, I have to just kind of give a special mention uh, to the late Brittany Murphy, um, an actor taken far too young at the prime of a really promising career. Uh, Brittany Murphy's tie is the new girl that Sharon wittingly turns from a sweet, naive young woman who loves art and skater boys to a ruthless social climber who takes a brush with death at the mall and runs with it. And Ty actually delivers the line that hurts Cher the most. You're a virgin who can't drive. Um, Brittany Murphy is perfectly cast. And it actually hurts that she's not here to appreciate the love that continues to grow for Clueless. It's the 25th anniversary of Clueless. um, And it's her heartfelt and earnest performance that really adds additional weight to Alicia Silverstone's. Brittany Murphy died in 2009 from pneumonia and she was just 32 years old. I remember watching Paul Rudd in this movie and having the biggest crush on him ever. Um, This is despite the the whole kind of ex-stepbrother thing. I kind of gloss over that a little bit. It really doesn't bother me all that much. Um, But I always thought that Paul Rudd would come out of this being a big star. And I was right, of course. Uh, He's undoubtedly the biggest star to come out of Clueless. Um, He still looks the same as well. A bit like someone else we know who drinks from the elixir of eternal youth, Mr. Keanu Reeves. Speaking of which, uh, (laughs) uh, every episode or most episodes, I like to do something called the obligatory Keanu reference. And the obligatory Keanu reference for Clueless uh, is a little bit tedious, I'll be honest. Keanu Reeves narrated uh, an Alex Winter directed comedy short. It was called Anyone Can Quantum. Uh, Obviously, Alex Winter was his co-star in the Bill and Ted movies. And it's Paul Rudd facing off against Stephen Hawking in Quantum Chess. And that's basically the only reference I could get was I tried to get Keanu Reeves and Alicia Silverstone and I couldn't do it. Um, uh, So I thought, well, Keanu must have done something with Paul Rudd. And so there we go. Uh, It's called Anyone Can Quantum. Um, Moving on to the music. So the music in Clueless is just as iconic as the fashion. 
Um, we'll, we'll come to the fashion. Um, but the movie starts with Kids in America by the Muffs. Um, it also includes Change by the Lightning Seeds and All Right by Supergrass. And the Lightning Seeds and Supergrass were massive in the UK in the 90s. Um, I definitely had a Lightning Seeds album. I think I had the Lightning Seeds Greatest Hits album, um, which has got some great tracks on it, by the way. Um, and Supergrass, uh, obviously All Right was probably the biggest song that they ever did. Um, and like I say, staples of 90s British music, uh, which is ironic for a US teen movie. Um, probably the most famous song from the soundtrack is Rolling With My Homies by Coolio, uh, which is from the iconic party scene um, with Ty and Elton. Um, but the soundtrack also includes an acoustic version of Radiohead's Fake Plastic Trees, so it has a little bit of credibility on the soundtrack with the likes of Radiohead, fashion-wise. So, I mean, this is kind of what Clueless is most known for. Everyone knows those iconic outfits, the yellow plaid skirt and blazer and uh, over-the-knee socks that Cher wears at the start. Um, when Amy Heckling was writing the script, she knew how important the fashion would be um, and she brought on costume designer Mona May to sort of eschew the a traditional 90s grunge look for these bright colours and, and really, really vividly bright colours. Um, so much so that often the backgrounds um, of certain scenes were very dull in order to highlight the, the bright colours of the outfits. Um, so the bright colours, the over-the-knee socks and the plaid that still inspires and influences designers today. Um, they actually visited real LA schools to get an idea of the fashion that 90s kids were kind of rocking. Um, <laughs> and it was a lot of flannel, a lot of loose-fitting jeans, sort of similar to what the boys at the school are shown wearing and also what Josh wears as well. Um, they, that kind of look was very commonplace, um, but they really didn't want that. They wanted something smart and feminine and flattering. And they wanted to kind of portray this ideal teen fantasy world. Um, and since Cher and Dion were wealthy enough to travel to fashion hotspots like Paris and Rome, uh, Mona May drew on designer inspiration and looked to movies from the 20s. Um, even the likes of Liza Minnelli and Cabaret were used as inspiration uh, for Cher's outfits. Her virtual outfit designer was inspired by racks in dry cleaners because, of course, she would have that. And interestingly, the costume budget was surprisingly low for a movie that's so centred on fashion and designer brands, many of which were donated for free, including the famous Alaya dress. Clueless has this immeasurable legacy, um, not only in teen comedies, but in comedies just generally. It continues to inspire modern teen and coming-of-age movies. Um, it also inspired music videos. Um, Iggy Azalea's Fancy was shot at the same high school and consists of remakes of the famous scenes. The lingo remains mostly relevant, uh, probably apart from Murray's reference of Christian as a cake boy, but the likes of As If, Whatever, and I'm Audi, uh, regarded as kind of synonymous with the movie. Um, no other movie could get away with using those lines now uh, because they are just clueless. It was a sleeper hit in the summer of 1995. Uh, it was made for $20 million and it made $56 million. Uh, it became an instant cult classic um, and it was well received by critics and audiences and it still is. 
Um, like I said, there was a TV show that came from it. There was also a musical that came from it. Um, and there's also talks of a reboot or a remake of it coming soon. Um, and I don't know how I feel about that because I feel like some things you just can't remake. Um, but I guess we'll see. Um, right. Okay. So I mentioned that Sade from Offscreen Babble was the one who requested this. Um, I asked her for her thoughts. So let's go over to Sade and see what she thinks. Hey, Em. Thank you for having me on to talk about Clueless. I will make sure I am very brief because I'm sure most of the things that I will say you have gone into great detail on. But I just wanted to highlight maybe a few things that I really like about this movie. One thing that I really like is the friendship between Cher and Dion and ultimately Ty. I just think it's a great depiction. I think between Cher and Dion, what I really liked is that Cher, even though she may not agree with everything that Dion's doing, specifically dating high school guys, she is still a really supportive friend. And Dion and her boyfriend, Murray, have like a really intense relationship but she seems to always be there and not be judgmental more than the fact that she just doesn't understand why she's dating him. She's never telling him to stop or, or telling her to stop and is just always there. Plus, they just seem to have a connection together and there's nothing really bad that happens. Even towards the end of the film when she's maybe a little jealous, um, when Cher is jealous that Dion might be bonding more with Ty, there's never a big blow up or anything like that. Cher seems to be really good at reflecting on her feelings and like what she's going through and why she's feeling a certain way instead of just like screaming and yelling. And that brings me to Cher's kind of fight with Ty. You know, they do the makeover, they're bonding. Ty is maybe kind of going a different path and expresses some interest in Josh and uh, uh, I, I was going to say Alicia Silverstone share is a little uh, jealous of that. And the way that's handled, I mean, first off the iconic line of you're a virgin who can't drive. Brittany Murphy's amazing. And uh, I can't even keep talking about it, but um, that moment where she's trying to be nice, but they have a fight and then the next time they see each other, they apologize. It's not this dragged out, like, let me make her look bad or whatever. It's just like a, hey, I'm sorry that I reacted that way. I didn't mean to. And Ty apologizes as well. And I just really liked how that was handled. And I don't think you see that very often in high school movies with female friendships. I feel like it's very dramatic and someone is trying to make someone else look bad or it's really mean or whatever. So, yeah, I think their friendship was handled very well. Um, the other thing that I'm sure everyone is aware of, the fashion was really iconic. Um, I remember that when I was young, Clueless had, like, a line of nail polish colors that you couldn't get. So now in 2020, if you wanted orange nail polish, you could get that. But... In the 90s, it was kind of hard sometimes, and Clueless had like their own like special line. So I was really excited to like feel like I was in Clueless. But all the clothing in Clueless today, I feel like, is still very fashionable. It's it's dated, but like 
in a cool way. I think many people would wear a lot of the outfits. The um, closet computer thing was something I think many people wanted as well. Like that would have been so awesome to go to your computer and just like have it design an outfit for you or like pick out your clothes. Um, the movie is just really funny. It's um, really specific since it's at a Beverly Hills High School. Um, and I think that it made me really excited to be in high school because I saw it before I was in high school and nervous to drive. When Dion goes on the freeway, I was terrified for her, for everyone. And when I eventually learned how to drive, I, I didn't have as a dramatic incident, but I did have a similar moment. So I can relate to her. Um, but yeah, I'm really excited to hear your review. And uh, thank you again for having me on. Thanks, Sade, for your thoughts. Um, yeah, um, obviously, I've covered a couple of things that Sade mentioned. I haven't really gone into the friendship uh, aspect, but Sade's kind of summarised that perfectly. So I'll just leave that with Sade because I think that she perfectly summarised the friendships and the fact that, like she said, it it's never kind of any drawn out animosity. People kind of fall out for a bit and they make up like in real life. Um, thank you again, Sade, um, for your thoughts and thank you for recommending that I uh, that I cover this movie because it, it's genuinely been joyous to talk about. As I mentioned, um, my sister was going to feature on this episode. I mentioned it a couple of months ago on social media and I basically said, oh, you know, good news, everyone. My sister is going to be on the podcast and she's going to record with me. And we had this plan. I was going to move into my house and she was going to come round and um, we were going to record an episode on Clueless together. Um, but then obviously uh, COVID-19 scuppered that um, so she couldn't come round she's self-isolating at home with her family um, she was going to send me her thoughts on it uh, but I'll be honest she's got two little boys at home who are probably causing more drama than Murali's supposed dalliance with Shawana I can tell you though that this is one movie that my sister and I both completely love. Um, we've both dressed up as Cher for fancy dress um, on different occasions um, and we are actually planning on getting uh, tattoos together um, and um, we've talked about the tattoo design that we want and it's going to be a clueless tattoo because that's the one thing that really kind of brings us together. Um, so I'll speak on behalf of my sister when I say that she really loves this movie. I also like to get social media thoughts on the movies that I cover. Um, so over on Twitter, Andy at Geek Salad Radio said, When it comes to movies from the 90s, I always enjoy seeing who became the biggest star of the cast. I would never in a million years have guessed in 1995 that it would have been Cher's stepbrother. He also adds, There was also a time when I felt like we'd never be able to get rid of Breckin Meyer. <laughs> That's harsh. That's way harsh, Andy. Uh, Breckin Meyer's okay. Um, and also, uh, yeah, I was fully behind the Paul Rudd train in 1995. Um, yeah, he's, um, he's pretty special. Um, at Colby Told Me, said way better than Emma I'm not sure which Emma he's referring to um I can only assume it's the most recent version of Emma um there was also a movie that came out the year after this I believe it was Gwyneth Paltrow in the role but um but yeah I Colby 
let us know which version of Emma you think this is better than. But I would be kind of in agreement that for me, this is the best adaptation of Emma that's ever been on screen. Um, But I haven't seen the most recent one, so I can't really comment on that. At Time Shifters Pod said, I have no idea why I decided to watch this film. Probably had something to do with me being 24 and it's starring Alicia Silverstone, but I was very surprised at how entertaining the film was. Last thing I was expecting was a film with an actual message and a point. Had I at the time bothered to look into the director, I might have known better. I'd hold this film up to be on an equal shelf with Fast Times at Ridgemont High. Um, Which, I'll be honest, I've never seen Fast Times at Ridgemont High. Um, And I know that's probably sacrilegious, um, but I've never got round to watching it. So... But at some point, hopefully, I will get around to watching it, especially now that we have everyone has quite a lot of time on their hands. Everyone's utilising all the streaming services. Um, I've just got Disney Plus, so I'm utilising a lot of that at the moment. Um, so hopefully Fast Times at Ridgemont High will be on somewhere um, and I can watch it. And at the Savage Slav, which is Laurel, said, If only every teen movie had this much heart and Paul Rudd is kind of a Baldwin. But seriously, my favourite teen movies are this and 10 Things I Hate About You, both of which translate classic literature, Shakespeare, Austen, to the modern coming-of-age experience. Laurel, I totally agree with you on pretty much all of that. I love 10 Things I Hate About You as well. I'll be honest, I really do want to cover 10 Things I Hate About You. Um, But I'm I'm putting it off for a little while because I kind of feel like it's very similar to Clueless in a couple of ways and and I think I like to space things out a little bit but I'm hoping to get 10 things I hate about you on at some point this year because I would love to talk about that over on Instagram at movies at the mat said still love this movie I need to watch it more than just sporadically yes (laughs) yes uh at ec 121720001 said so cute really is um and at Kerry Wadwa said, Literally the dumbest, most predictable movie I've ever seen. Everyone has their opinion. And um, and yeah, they their opinion is obviously that they don't like it, which is completely fair enough. Uh, I respect their opinion. Over on Facebook, Eric said, I originally had no interest in seeing it because it didn't seem like my type of movie. And I really hate the stereotype of the shallow popular girl. Luckily, I ended up having to watch it for a class for college, and it slowly won me over with its charming characters and comedic wit, as well as great acting by Alicia Silverstone and Paul Rudd. While it's not a personal favourite, I'm glad I saw it and would definitely check it out again if I got chance. We'll have to go into Mean Girls and Legally Blonde with the same mindset, because I haven't seen those yet. Obviously, Eric, I would completely recommend Legally Blonde, um, for obvious reasons. Mean Girls, I'm not the biggest fan of Mean Girls and I think that's because I haven't seen it as much as everything else um I think it's fine but I don't think it's as iconic as Legally Blonde and Clueless but that's just my opinion Uh, (laughs) I'm coming to the end of the podcast and I feel again like there's so much more I could say about this movie there's so many iconic lines in this movie um just iconic bits of trivia about this movie as well um I genuinely think it's it's just such a terrific movie to watch when at a time like now when there's so much uncertainty in the world um you could put a movie like this on and and it, ju- it would just bring a smile to your face um and that's kind of what we need right now so I would highly recommend if you're self-isolating or quarantining at home and um I know this movie is on Netflix UK right now I don't know if it's on anything else but if you have access to it 
just stick it on and watch it. And I guarantee you will be doing it sporadically because it's so great. Anyway, I better start bringing the show to a close. Um, As always, thank you for listening to Verbal Diorama and thank you for being patient with me um, during this hiatus. And I know it's been a long time since Treasure Planet, um, but like I say, I'm hoping that now I'm set up in this new house and I get used to the acoustics in this room (laughs) um, because it it feels very strange to me um, that I can start churning out regular episodes again. Um, And as always, I would love to hear your thoughts on Clueless and Another thing that I like to do is that I like to tell you about the next episode. So the next episode is actually the first of a two-parter. Um, and you'll understand why when I tell you what it is. It's going to be the first appearance on Verbal Diorama of one of my favourite, favourite directors. A true visionary director, Guillermo del Toro. Um, and the property itself recently got rebooted, but... I'm not going to talk about that. There's, there's no way on this earth. Um, but I am going to be talking about Anung Unrama, uh, the Bureau for Paranormal Research and Defence, and specifically his right hand of doom. Um, and so the next episode is going to be on Guillermo del Toro's 2004 adaptation of Hellboy. And then the next episode after that is going to be on the rare sequel that improves on its predecessor in every way, um, the visual splendour that is Hellboy 2, The Golden Army. Um, I have such a love for the two Hellboy movies. Um, I was very much in the camp of one of those fans who was just clamouring for a third Guillermo del Toro, Ron Perlman Hellboy movie, which never materialised. I'm still very sad about that. Um, But I'm really excited to talk about Hellboy and Hellboy 2, The Golden Army. Um, so hopefully I will see you, see you, listen to you. No, anyway, (laughs) I don't know what I'm talking about. Hopefully you'll be here, um, for the next episode when we start talking about Hellboy. If you like this episode, I've also done episodes on Titan AE, Captain Marvel, Dread, Who Framed Roger Rabbit, Sky Captain in the World of Tomorrow, Pleasantville, The Cabin in the Woods, Speed, Aladdin 1992-2019, Pirates of the Caribbean, The Curse of the Black Pearl, X-Men Dark Phoenix, Charlie's Angels 2000, The Mummy 1999, The Matrix, John Carter, Willow, The Iron Giant, Scott Pilgrim vs. The World, Logan, Edge of Tomorrow, Legally Blonde, Buffy the Vampire Slayer Season 4, Episode 10, Hush... Mystery Men, Passengers, Stardust, Constantine, Arthur Christmas, Akira, Kubo and the Two Strings, The Incredibles, The Lego Movie, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, Howl's Moving Castle, My Neighbour Totoro, Spirited Away and Treasure Planet. And they can all be downloaded wherever you get your podcasts from. By the way, I would just like to say that my my aim is to at least try and memorise that list. But it's just getting longer and longer. It's never going to (laughs) happen. You can follow me on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube and Letterboxd at Verbal Diorama. I do have a Patreon, but due to the uncertainty in the world, I've, I've kind of put that on hold for the time being. But obviously, uh, massive thanks to uh, the patrons of the show. Simon E, Sade, Hardy L, Claudia, Simon B, Laurel and Derek for supporting Verbal Diorama. You can email me general hellos, feedback or suggestions at verbaldiorama at gmail.com. You can find my website at verbaldiorama.com. 
If you like what I do and you want to leave me a great review, you can do so on iTunes or Podchaser and I would really appreciate that. Um, And I have a column over at Film Stories magazine, which is an independent British movie magazine. Um, Obviously, I'd love it if you could support that magazine and the wonderful people who work on it um, by popping over to filmstories.co.uk slash magazine. Uh, You can purchase one-off copies of the back catalogue. You can also subscribe um, to future issues. Um, I also do bits for Film Stories Online, um, where I recommend other great British movie podcasts every week. I update and I play a list of movies um, and iPlayer is a BBC service um, and you can basically get movies uh, for free here in the UK courtesy of the BBC. Um, so I would wholly recommend that you support film stories. Um, I know it's troubling times at the moment and I know that the, uh, the decision has been made for the Film Stories magazine that it's probably going to be put on hold for a little while um but i heartily recommend if you can by um support it by going back and and getting you know older copies um then please do because it is well worth it there's such a wealth of of wonderful independent writing in those magazines and these are people that have probably never written before um people like me (laughs) because i'd never written anything uh, and got it published before until uh, a chance encounter with the the wonderful Simon Brew um, and uh, yeah remain very grateful to Simon for the opportunity I digress we're coming to the end of this episode now um, and I always like to sign off with with something that I feel is relevant to the movie that I've covered so um, I guess there's only one thing that I can say and that's In conclusion, may I please remind you that it does not say RSVP on the Statue of Liberty. Thank you very much. Bye.